to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Masonian Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Hi, Sarah. We were just um, chatting about our week before yes. we were recording, but yes. um, we did get to hang this week. Yeah. So um, our last show, we talked about um, getting ready for the, um, there was a food innovation event, like small trade show. So Mm -hmm. we had that. And um, I thought today we could talk about trade shows. We could talk about building community and just get into some details of that. What do you think? Sounds good to me. Cool. Well, one, um, Thing that we want to say is that we're grateful to Market of Choice um, working to build community together. So we have a word from our sponsor. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local entrepreneurs, so much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed, and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers farmers, ranchers, and fisher folk realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. Thank you, Market of Choice. Yeah, thanks, Market of Choice. We really appreciate your um, drive to bringing all of us together. I think they do a great job of supporting they all are. of us. They're great. And great at it. that's one thing I realized when, um, you know, we don't have a guest for the show today. It's just going to be Sarah and I chatting. And, and one thing that I really... Um, noticed this week while I was at all of these community events was just what a special relationship I feel like all of us have in Portland. And it's really nice. Um, we first, the first thing that I did this week was, was come to the Food Innovation Center on Tuesday when I kind of, or Wednesday, when I rolled into town from Seattle. Yes. And, and it was lovely to be around both people I don't know and people that I do know. So um, immediately when I got there, I had gotten stuck behind a train, which of course there was a train today (laughs) that was like 40 minutes. (laughs) So I came rolling in like last person there, of course, like late and immediately like every other person that was there was like, 
can we help you? We want to set you up. Like, yeah, like let us unload your you. stuff. Catherine right away was like, oh, I'm glad nothing happened to you. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> it was just such a lovely way to be greeted because of course I was already worried because I was running late and then um, everyone was there to be like, we got you. And they did. So thanks everyone. Yeah. So we were hosting <laughs> the Food and Agriculture Media Fellowship, which is part of OSU's College of Ag um, media stuff, and they had brought in a bunch of top journalists from around the country to showcase all the research and the work being done in food systems here in Oregon. And at the Food Innovation Center, we hosted a tour for them, so they got to do a sensory test of some hazelnut products. They went and talked with the food safety people and they checked their hands for bacteria, which some of them refused to do. I was joking <laughs> with them. I'm like, hey, who had the dirtiest hands? And a couple of the ladies were like, I didn't, I didn't touch any. I didn't do that. I let somebody else do it. And then we hosted a mini trade show of female food entrepreneurs here at the FIC. So if you want to see some pictures, you can look on my LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. I, will, I posted was... some photos. It was really nice. And it was like a little bit different of a trade show than I think people are used to being at. And so I just wanted to talk about different tips for, um, you know, for our listeners, for entrepreneurs on how to easily interact with people at those kinds of shows. Because one of my tips is that it's always awkward to like, you know, try to sell something to people. So I would just say in those kind of events, um, you know, what you really, when it's so, so they were media people, right? So, so the idea is that you want to uh, be part of this story um, of, you know, so they're there to talk about the Food Innovation Center, but we all fit into that, you know, as female food entrepreneurs. So you, the, I feel like the best way to do that for me is to feed people. So I usually, when I go to those kinds of events and you saw Sarah, that I do a little bit different table setup, I do a little bit different thing and I have more snacks for people to kind of like hang out they eat while they're eating. I'm telling them about what I've made, yeah. why I've made it. I And that brings me into telling them about my business. Yeah. So I'm not doing like an elevator speech. I'm not telling them my whole story, but I'm um, working into the food that I'm giving them, why it is that I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And you, you had a really nice little hors d'oeuvre you made on a rice cracker with some fresh goat cheese and a strawberry conserve from your cookbook. Yeah. So, so that was like a good way to just kind of have people come talk to you is to have this treat, but I could tell them a little bit about my background just by having them have that. Yeah. But also Sarah, I think I'm going to just tell people how you did it. So Sarah had her table all set up and then she had like four inches at the back and she had like a little tiny box that had a little piece of cheese in it, (laughs) some little tiny mint leaves and a jar of her, um, stuff that she made and she was just making four little hors d'oeuvres at a time and setting them out she didn't have like 50 of them yeah she just made a couple you know as people ate them and kept them really fresh and I thought that was really good well and I like to do that because it's like they can see that I'm making it it's not something that like somebody else prepared you know it's something that can come together really easy but then also you know it's always nice at any kind of like bigger gathering like that to be um conscious of people's food allergies. So like I never do things with gluten. I I usually don't do, I may kind of make everything gluten-free and vegan for the most part. Yeah. Um, No allergies. Yeah. In this specific um, instance, I use local goat cheese. I don't think people are allergic to goat cheese. No. And I, and, but the thing was, is that I could make it so that if somebody
community didn't want that, they didn't have to have it. So it right, so you could just was, do jam. Yeah. So some of them, I just did that or, but that's kind of like just a tip to know is make things approachable to the most amount of people, which is pretty easy. You know, I just did this rice cracker with some goat cheese with some strawberry jam from my book and then some basil from my garden. And then I could tell people about that and that, you know, that this is why we preserve, you know, strawberry jam in the summer because it's so wonderful right now when you can have it on this hors d'oeuvre. And then I, the net, so I like kind of created little stations on my table. So yeah, you have like three or four four stations yeah and the table wasn't very big it was only two by four yeah and when I sent out the invitation I told people just bring it in something you can kind of hand carry so keep it simple yeah yeah and this was and how did you bring your stuff in you had a little fold-up cart I just had a little foldable cart yeah I just wheel it in you know I mean I kind of I've done so many of these things now it's pretty easy for me to do it yeah and then you have a drape that covered your whole table and you can put everything underneath your table yeah yeah you hide you hide it and then I come along and I'm like there's a piece of garbage sticking out Miss Sarah I know I have all these boxes like falling out under the table of course Sarah came over and like tucked them underneath for me yeah (laughs) inspector Sarah yeah but then I think it was a really nice easy way for me to interact with with these people I didn't even really know exactly who was going to be there or what it was going to be but I knew it was going to be about like telling my story in relation to the Food Innovation Center so I feel like for me the important piece of of that is that you know I preserve organ agriculture and I'm yeah. here to like help tell the story of what's going on in the yeah. state. And so I made sure to highlight like the seaweed, the sauce that I make with the dull seaweed because that's a big part of like the food innovation center story. And yeah. so for that, I just had it, it like a little thought. Yeah, I just you had it in a little thought about with... it before you did it. Like yeah, you drew some conclusions and did use common sense. Yeah, but I think that's like a good tip for people because I think sometimes it's like. You're not sure. You never know, of course, who you're going to come across at any event. But I think that it's good to sometimes have different ways um, to showcase your stuff for different people. Yeah. And you had big bottles and small bottles and you had your gift gift pack there. Yeah. I just brought a little bit of everything, but it all just fit into one little case, you know. Yeah, it wasn't like you were serving 100 people because so you knew there was going to be around 15 or 20 people there. And so you yeah. didn't have to over plan. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to compliment you on is your willingness to always show up. And I think uh, as a food entrepreneur, you got to show up every opportunity you have and you always have to have your food product with you, regardless of whether you're going to be going to a mini trade show or you're just going to bump into someone like every person you meet is like a mini trade show, right? Yeah. So if you can figure out a way to have a sample or a business card or something that you can hand to people about your business, I think it's it'll be great for you. Yeah, I think so too. I, you know, I always carry little bottles. We do little two ounce bottles and I had brought them to the show as well. And those I really make for people that are traveling. So I knew that the people at this show were going to be, you know, flying, flying out. Other places. Yeah. So Did I anyone had, take one of those? Little yeah, ones? a few oh. people and, and a few okay. people um, wanted to buy things. So sometimes oh. with media, they have, you know, a budget and they can't accept gifts because yeah. um, can't give them stuff because yeah. so, it'll influence them. 
And I don't even really offer anymore because I've heard that from people. So I don't yeah. just try to give media something. If they request it and they say like, I'm going to write this article, like, you know, then I will totally do it 100%. But I don't always offer because it kind of creates an awkward situation sometimes. Well, it- they want to all be treated fairly too. Mm-hmm. So I noticed we had some little packages of um, FIC silver bamboo silver were sitting out and yeah. every single one of them took one yeah because i think they could see that it was something that everybody could have and well, so i think in, the, in this new day and age of like influencers and people like being paid for stuff or yeah. people um, accepting product as payment i think yeah. it gets a little bit confusing so some of the people that are working for bigger uh, media outlets can't really accept that but yeah. um you know, I had just had the little two ounce bottles. And then if somebody would ask me like, oh, is, you know, what size are these and what size are these? Then I'm always like, oh, I have, um, I'm, you know, I made these for media today. If you would like to accept one as a gift, you can. So a couple people did, but, yeah. um, but most of the people that were chatting with me wanted to buy um, sauce for me. And, and oh, so usually cool. what that means is either they're just interested in the product, which is great, or that they want to write something about it, but they're not going to accept nice. it. And um, they don't always tell you that they're going to write about you. Absolutely not. And so, so that's, they'll ask you a lot of questions mm-hmm. and write notes, but you don't really know that you're going to be in the media or not. Yeah. Not yeah. Usually. Well, and that's the thing you were surprise. saying that part of, you know, being a small business owner is showing up. Um, I'm, I mean, if somebody asks me to do something, I really try without taking away from like my family. Like I don't want to always be gone, but if it's something I can go to for just like an hour or two, I will do it, you know, because it's easy for me to come to come do it. And I never really know what's going to happen. And I just try to make it fun for me. Like I love making food for people and talking to people. So that event. Yeah. So if you lived in a small town that had like a newspaper, you could actually go to the newspaper and give them samples of your product and see if they would write a story about you. Yeah, for sure. You can always pitch things to anybody. And and you can write a press release. Like the very first time you go to the farmer's market, you could send a press release to someone. Like you could send mm-hmm. it to food writers and invite them to come to your booth. Yeah, definitely. Fun. I think there's all kinds of ways to approach media in a way that's not awkward. And so if people ever need tips, I mean, I think that this is one of them. Feeding people and just telling your story through food is a really great way to um, to easily have conversation about what it is that you do. And also maybe have a um, business card with you <clears throat> or some recipe cards or something that you can share for people to take away. Yeah, definitely. Well, I appreciate you having me be part of that event. So thanks for inviting me. It was so fun. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> and you have some yeah. other cool stuff happening at the FIC, right? You want to yeah, talk about so um, one of the things that I want to start at the FIC is going to be a supper club. And it's going to be a... Um, it's going to be uh, fun because we only do fun stuff here. <laughs> and we're going to have a group of people come together four times a year. And we'll have themed dinners and we'll use local produce and um, ingredients and we'll prepare foods from other countries. So the first one I think we're going to do is going to be from Africa. And we're going to do Singapore, Peru and Jamaica this year. And the idea is that we'll invite people to the Food Innovation Center who maybe have never been here or wouldn't commonly even think of coming here. So we're going to outreach to the BIPOC community 
and see if we can open some doors for people who may who maybe don't even know about the Food Innovation Center. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, I have um, attended uh, what you used to call them crop up dinners. Yeah, a few, a few of those <laughs> where it was like a pop up dinner. Um, there was one at the Food Innovation Center. I did another one out in Madras with you guys, but I think that that was a really fun way. Um, to bring together a lot of the farmers because you would have the farmers there and the, and the, um, you know, not just produce farmers, but like the animal farmers. So one time we yeah. did, um, you had some of the had lamb. Yeah. Remember? yeah. Oh, it's freaking out. I was like, that lamb's not cooked all the way. <laughs> I was so upset. I was like, what were we thinking of letting these people cook a whole lamb carcass at this party? I was thinking, I was so nervous, but in the end it ended up being fine, but still. I don't know if I was at that one. I don't remember that. Everyone, the, everything. That was that our I very re- first one and very last one that we did anything like that. We did quite a few of those dinners, but we decided that was a little too complicated. <laughs> I think so. I mean, not yeah. many people have cooked a whole lamb before. Well, the, yeah, it was it was an adventure. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. It was an adventure. So I just wanted to give four easy steps to starting a supper club if anybody's interested. Oh, yeah. (laughs) First step, define your goal. So what's the the goal of your supper club? Uh, The goal of this supper club is to gather people into the Food Innovation Center community and maybe share some um, tips and tricks about starting a food business and maybe a little food science. And then also to discover a different type of food, maybe that people hadn't eaten before. Cool. And then the second thing, the second step, huh, I cut the second step out, is going to (laughs) be inviting the members. So usually supper clubs is a, is the same group of people for set own number of dinners. Mm -hmm. And generally people will share food um, at the supper club, hence the name supper. And in this case, we're going to actually prepare the meals together. So we're going to have 30 people and we're going to divide up into five groups and um, each group is going to prepare a course for the meal. And then we'll have uh, set some rules about the supper club. So at the very first supper club, we'll set some rules that everyone can agree to. Um, And ours is going to be a little bit different because it's always going to be at the Food Innovation Center. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it'll rotate around to other people's homes. And Sarah, you were talking about your cookbook club thing that you did. Yeah. Um, my friend Mary, who you know, she used to live here, Mary Crow. She um, yeah. worked for Whole Foods for a long time. Um, yeah. But she started a supper club here, and we called it Cookbook Club. And it was it was wonderful because it was kind of like a mix between a supper club, a book club, a, you know, kind of potluck style. So everybody would pick, you know, we would pick a book and whoever, basically we ran at that, whoever hosted got to pick the book that we were going to do. And so we would all get the cookbook. We would each pick something to make from the cookbook and then we would bring it to this like potluck. So we would talk about what we thought about the book, what we thought about the dishes, how we thought, um, you know, it, the cookbook was set up and it was really, it was wonderful and fun. And it was a fun way to try all of these things out of books. And, and not everybody had 
had to buy the book. You could, you know, we always picked books you could get at the library too. So, um, so that's actually like the definition of your concept for that group. It was the cookbook. So that was step two. So step two is figure out what you're going to focus on in your group. Yeah. That's it. That was the missing step to find the concept. There we go. (laughs) And then the other thing that's happening at the Food Innovation Center is we're going to start up our um, incubator again. And it's designed for underserved women and indigenous folks. And there's going to be an application process. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, so if if we have some listeners who are thinking about starting up a business yes. and and this would maybe be a good opportunity for them to apply. And maybe, but also this incubator is actually for people who already are in business because okay. you are going to have to spend some money to be in the facility. Okay. Um and we're going to look for some grant funding too to see if we can help cover some of the costs, but we oh. haven't done that yet. And the, so, I think the best way for people steps. to get that information is to sign up for the FIC newsletter. So if, if yes. people haven't done that, how do they do that? Um, you can email the Food Innovation Center. If you go on our website, all of the email addresses are on the About Us page. And then and they can, can just email and ask. And asked to be signed up for the newsletter. And and I yeah. received that newsletter. And I think that it's valuable to anybody that is thinking about having a business or also already in business. Yes. Because you guys put out all kinds of opportunities that come up for events, for media stuff. For, I mean, there's all kinds of things. There's And, you know, I... I pretty much do everything that comes through that that listserv, whatever you guys put out there. If I don't have something else scheduled, I generally do it. And I think that um, the reason for that is because it puts me in touch a lot of times. The Food Innovation Center puts me in touch with, with people that maybe I am not easily around. So whether that's um, a lot of yeah. times it's people on the agricultural side of things. So yeah. Um, and that's important to me and to my business is to be, you know, I meet farmers at the farmer's market, but there's like a lot of other stuff agriculturally going on outside of the farmer's market. And so I always attend these events to like be connected to that kind of thing. Yeah, we recently announced an opportunity for some grant funding through the um, Pacific Coast Coalition. It's a dairy innovation grant. And there's some small grants available for dairy processors through that coalition. That includes California, Washington, and Oregon. And the Food Innovation Center is actually a dairy innovation hub. Yeah. So we've had a few um, so, dairy guests on the show. Yeah, um, we have. And I know, I know they're probably part of the. Um, I bet you know, they're applying. Yeah, receive the um, emails and stuff because it's like not everything is going to fit with everybody, but it is going to fit with you know it's a good way for Some you to reach people. those those yes. dairy farmers for sure. Yeah, or maybe you always dreamt of being a dairy processor, and now you're gonna maybe apply <laughs> for a grant and fulfill your dreams. I hope so. 
We need more cheese, cheese makers. In the you world. know, what's been really interesting at the Food Innovation Center lately is we've been seeing a lot of international people coming here asking about commercializing what I would consider more like indigenous crops where they the crops are like from their country and mm-hmm. they're thinking that they can produce so much that they can sell it into the U.S. And I actually am trying to figure all of that out, but I, I'd have to say that for international folks, what you really want to do is make sure that your domestic market is full before you try and export to the U.S. So think about who the people are in your region or in the big city that's near you, and maybe think about supplying them first instead of thinking that you have to make it and sell it in a different country. Yeah, Even in the U.S., we have that problem. We have people who make products and then they try and sell them in Japan or somewhere yeah. else. And like- <laughs> that's what that's what I was going to say. I think it goes both ways. And I think um, especially at this time when our shipping system and, you know, everything is so overrun. I it mean, feels I like- was at Safeway yesterday or Sunday trying to buy some tater tots. That's right. People I eat tater tots. <laughs> and there was only one bag of tater tots left at Safeway in my neighborhood. They were all <laughs> gone. And I brought them home. My family was like, which tater tots did you buy? And I, I won't say the name. I'm like, that's the brand name. They're like, we don't like those. And I said, well, that's because I always buy the generic ones because I think they're better. But they didn't, they were out. The cupboards were bare. So I don't know if we're going into another thing where the shelves might be empty. Yeah, I I'm think so. Sure. I mean, there, there's that problem has there's not been solved. Chain. Yeah, yeah, supply, supply chain, chain is, a, is a huge problem. So I think, you know, what we have tried to do is really focus less on getting our product everywhere and just like being here, connecting sure with our community. Supply, yeah. Supply the people already have it on yeah. their shelf. Yeah. So I think that that's like an important lesson for people to learn before you approach the Canadian or Japanese market, which I hear mm. people talk about all the time. I know. It's and like, I'm like, are what you about, supplying the local What about California? <laughs> I mean, California is like its own country, for God's sake. And sell yeah, maybe, it down there. Down it'll be a little, LA. little less expensive of a risk to take, I think. <laughs> I mean, if you had all the major cities on the West Coast, you probably, if you really were selling into all of the right categories and stores, you probably could have a 25 to $30 million business just yeah. on the West Coast. Yeah. Well, and as we're um, talking about money, I wanted, it reminds me of, um, so one of our past guests, Sarah Delavan, she, oh, yes. um, you know, she has her own podcast and she has been having some really good conversations in the last couple of weeks oh. about what it really takes for um, small value-based food businesses. So that means oh. people that are manufacturing a small amount and they, you know, maybe they're part of the Good Food Foundation and they're really making these ethical choices and what it really takes for them to be successful and what that means. And a big, you know, because she is a financial planner, um, she has this, a lot of very great information. And really it is that in this time, um, a lot of us as food manufacturers need to 
charge the more money than what we have been taught to charge all along. Yeah. So, you know, there's lots of, even when you have a financial planner, there's a lot of things that come into place where you, um, you know, you figure out how much you need to charge, how much you need to sell it for wholesale, what that means your bottom line is. And we're all, we all know all of these numbers, but, um, you know, what she's kind of saying is that that whole system was really set up for people that are manufacturing millions Large. of units, you yeah. know, lots and lots of product. And, and yeah. so for people that are smaller and like, you know, most of us working, um, in this state where we're manufacturing things ourselves, that it really, those numbers aren't going to work for us and that we really need to, um, look, look at, at the that. number you want. It's like packing for a big trip. Yeah. Look, except the opposite. Cause when you pack for a big trip, you put too much in and then you take some out. Yeah. What you need to do as a small manufacturer is look at the number you think you need to charge and then charge double. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, I think the thing to say with that is first, everybody should go listen to her podcast because I think that she has done a really good job of outlining why we need to do things differently um, and what that means, not only for shoppers, but also specifically for um, manufacturers and for us small business owners. But um, I think that, you know, don't be afraid to, to be the most expensive item. I mean, I, you know, my hot sauces have been the most expensive hot sauce for 10 years and they continue still to in be, business. but I'm still in business and I'm not, it's not because I'm bankrolling all this money. It's just because that's what it takes to run a business and do wholesale. And I yeah. think that, um, you know, it's the tricky piece of being a small manufacturer and charging the right amount of money because, um, you know, wholesale, I really feel like in general is set up for a bit big manufacturing. And so we all just need to look at that and just make sure that we're charging the amount of money that's going to keep our business afloat, keep our business successful. Um, so that's, that's my advice for the day is for everyone to go listen to that and then take a look at what it is that you are doing and what you're charging. That's good advice, Sarah. Yeah. It's always a hard thing. People don't like to talk about money. <laughs> so I value, I mean, it's I value always Sarah hard so when much. you're, I mean, it's hard when you're creating something and then you have to try and figure out the value of it and all that stuff. It can be kind of overwhelming. Yeah. It can yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, um, one other thing I wanted to um, bring up, I know we talked a little bit about um, Kitsch on one of our other episodes, but I... Oh, um, yeah. How's that going? It's going good. I have been broadcasting on there each week. And so I really want to encourage our um, food entrepreneurs to check it out and to join it while it is still an open call because it is right now. It's in beta test mode. So people can sign up and join. Um, is it through Instagram? It's not through Instagram. It's its own separate thing. And it is not an app yet. You just go to um, kitsch.com and it's K-I-T-T-C-H.com. And uh, you can sign up. It's free for everybody to sign up if you want to view or if you want to um, do these cooking demonstrations. But the reason why I think it's going to be really valuable to our food entrepreneurs is one, it gives you really good practice of what it's like to talk in front of a camera. Um, and at this point where it's in a beta test mode, there's not um, a lot of people. I just tried going it. on the page and it's not there. You got it. Yeah, I found it. Okay. okay. <laughs> so so you are can... you, can we look you up on there, Sarah? 
Yeah, totally. So I have my own channel and, you know, there's a couple of other um, past guests that we have had on the show that are on there. And so I really want to encourage people to find them and interact with them. Um, Holly from Sabejo and I are going to know she she has one. Yeah, she has her own channel. Um, her and I are going to do one together. So everyone should look for that soon. Um, and we're going to talk about, um, you know, her sauces and her story. And she wants to talk about, um, Singapore and traditional dishes that she would make. And then I'm going to show people what I make. Cause of course I'm not from Singapore. And so I use her sauces in a completely different way. And so we're just going to kind of talk about those things and have a conversation about it, but it's a really nice platform for people to get used to being in front of the camera. So Um, Sarah, you have 19 things on there already. I do. Yeah. I'm like building a channel. So I have to have a lot of content in there. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like yours are about 30 minutes or so. Yeah. 30 minutes. I mean, they range just depending on who the person is and what they're doing. So some people's are an hour if they're doing like some kind of baking. Um, So you upload and then they put it in this nice format for you. Yeah. I just record it live and then um, I, you can put the recipes in there or not. But the reason why I think it's good for new and well, for any business owners is really, if, if you are, have a food business, it's a good way for you to practice writing recipes. It's a good way for, for you to practice being in front of the camera. Um, okay. All of those things become very important and valuable to your business. And so, so I just want to encourage people to, to be part of this platform. Okay. Because, I'm going to pitch something to you, Miss Marshall. Yeah, so sure. What do you think if, at the Winter Fancy Food Show, we turned our little tabletop booth over to the demo booth. And yeah. we did a kitsch live there. Yeah, sure. I think we can totally do that. Okay, let's try and do that. Okay. You could always do new things or you could just repeat things that you already did. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's and then a we great, can have great a thing. schedule like you can come once a day there. Yeah, yeah you can kind of do whatever you want, you know. So I can broadcast whatever I want, but lots of people, you know, who are part of this platform can view it. But the other thing about it is that you can do it from anywhere. So, like, you know, I'm creating this content from, you know, on when I'm on vacation at the lake or when I'm, you know, working from my kitchen, or sometimes it's just like a tour of someone's garden. Like you can kind of do whatever you want, but, um, the important thing is that you're comfortable talking <laughs> that you're talking, that it's, you're comfortable talking about cooking. And if you have a food product, you have to tell people what to do with it. So, um, this is a really great way for people to kind of figure that out because it will help yeah. you down the road. And I think this is just kind of the new way that food is going. Things are going to be live and interactive and um, and all video-based. So it's not going to really cut it to just have a pretty photo anymore, I don't think. I think you really have to be interactive with your customer. And so um, I just want to encourage people to start now because um, it's going to be necessary for your food business. Yeah. I mean, I think getting it onto media is really nice because you can also attach it to other things and use it as a way to get your word out like that exists when you're not actually there. Yeah, totally. And, it, and you know, this platform is very user-friendly and easy. So, you you know, once you do it, you can 
you know, put your recipe, you can like tweet out, you can Facebook, you can do whatever. Can it's you like, tell how linkable. many people have looked at yours? On my um, channel? No, not not necessarily at this point. I think when it's out of beta test mode, it will be more like Instagram where you can tell all that different stuff. Um, but right now, I think they're just trying to make sure that the platform is the best that it can be before they launch it. Like, you know. Okay, I'm signing up right now. Cool. Yeah. And, you know, if you sign up, you can come watch me and you can, you, you like pop up onto the table. So instead of, you know, when you came on my Instagram live videos, yeah, I could see that you were there and you could type in a question, but this would be that you would pop up more like zoom style. So you'd be there with me and you could just live ask me a question, which is cool. I'm going to be live. Good. <laughs> I want you to be live with me. That'd be fun. Okay. I just created my account. Awesome. Well, and now everybody can see how easy it is. You just go on there and you um, just, and you don't even have to enter like all your info. It's like your phone number and your email. That's it. So people should join that and come interact with me on there, especially if you're a new business owner. You can come on and you can ask me questions live if you want <laughs> while I'm cooking food. It'll be fun. And you don't even have to have a, like, a. it was easy because you just type in your number and they send you a code and you just sign in. So you don't have to have a, a password memorized. Yeah, it's really good. And, you know, th so the next part of that platform, too, is that um, people are going to be able to charge for classes. So right now I'm just cooking for anybody to come watch and and they hopefully connect with me. And that's that's my goal of doing this. But um, later they're going to have where you can have a paid class so I can do my canning classes on there and, and people can come join me and learn how to can, which is cool. Yeah. And you have your little bio on there and you have your 70 snack thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's what have I did this week. Taco Tuesday, pulled pork sliders, your famous black beans. <laughs> wow. Everything you do is on there. Yeah. So I took a lot of the content that I was, um, you know, creating for when I was doing Instagram live and I've just repurposed them into this new platform, but I'm, you know, I am doing them, cooking them again, live with people. And then people can come up and ask me questions, which is really well, cool. and your photographs are very professional because you hired a photographer, didn't you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that something you would recommend? I would. I mean, I think that sometimes that's hard for people when they're first starting out. And I totally understand that. I think you can take good photos with your iPhone. Well, um, wasn't there like a class that, um, yeah, Judy Ann has, has done a couple classes and I took Maybe those. we should have her do another class. I think so. She's great. I mean, I've taken her class twice because, um, it has just helped me to even just take better photos within the moment. Um, I mean, I think for something like this, I, I had a, you know, a professional photographer, a friend help me do photos, but, yeah. um, but I think that, and I think that's great, but I also understand that not everybody has that opportunity. So, right. so there are ways to become a better, just I think you can buy like a tripod on Amazon or something and hook your phone to it and then make sure you have really good lighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think even just Judy Ann gives great tips for not having any equipment for just having your phone and finding the one best spot in your house that has good light or you're in your yeah. kitchen or whatever it is. And just yeah. always taking it there and just changing out one little thing. And, and sometimes um, you have to go outside. Yeah. And she just showed me ways to use my phone, um, 
that were really user friendly. <laughs> so, so you mostly so, do all your photography on your phone, right? And you use yeah. your phone to record. I do all of it. And even when I'm doing these videos, it's through my phone. So where do you store all that stuff? Does your phone like have a million files on it? Or I just have it on it. the cloud. 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 Yeah. Totally. Cloud. Gotta yeah. have it on the cloud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. Well, Sarah, we have um, used up our time. Hopefully we gave some valuable information to our listeners. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about before we go today? No, except we forgot to take a break. (laughs) Well, hopefully Elon can figure out where to plug that. (laughs) Our audio engineer is amazing. Yeah, he'll figure it out. He'll get it in there. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, Sarah, it was great to chat with you today. I always love um, hearing your tips and tricks for all of Yours our entrepreneurs too. out there. And um, we hope that this is helpful to you guys. And if anybody ever has questions or if you want to be a guest on the show, we're open to all those things. You can send us a message on our Instagram at Missonian Marshall. Yeah. But we hope to connect with all of you soon. We record Missonian Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on a show, send us a message and we will be back next week. Thanks for joining everybody. Bye. Bye for now. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.